So I thought I was the queen of Airbnb. Check the profile. I visited all the places. However, how can I truly be a queen if I have never been a host? Didn't even think about it, y'all. It's time to think about it because my place is cute. Why not share? I know. I got you thinking about it now. All right. Well, don't think about it. Be about it. Find out how you can be a host at airbnb.com slash host. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hi, it's Sugar Steve from Questlove Supreme. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So, check out Discover Cashback Debit a game-changing checking account with cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right, cash back isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. What up, y'all? It's Laia. And this week, we are traveling back, 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 back to June of 2020 <laughs> when we finally caught up with CeeLo Green. Yep, CeeLo Green. He talks about finding his voice, Goody Mob, Niles Barkley, and all the good stuff. It's so good that it's a two-parter. We know you love those. <laughs> As we cue that up for you, don't forget to make sure you check out our whole Dungeon Family series of interviews. Oh, yeah, y'all. From Organized Noise to my girl Joy to even Quest's one-on-one with Andre 3000. Yup, it happened. So here is part two of CeeLo Green on Questlove Supreme. How does one, well, it's actually two-parter because, you know, you said you you didn't, you really weren't with the direction of the record. Who is the alpha, who's the, who's, who's the alpha goodie that one is the anchor that brings everyone together to have a meeting or, or discussion about it? Or my second question is, how do you dissolve the situation? How what was what was the process of you leaving the group to start your perfect imperfections and, and the soul machine projects? Well, we had just done um not too long ago, maybe like you know, I think in March, uh, you know, our episode of Unsung had aired, and we kind of touched on that. Yeah. And you know, me it was me and Timo that discussed very, you know, very plainly that, you know. After that project, everybody wanted to venture out and do solo solo projects. You know, um, everybody's always had an, an ambition to do it, but like we kind of stumbled upon our own synergy and became kind of you know, you know, safeguarded by that. You know what I mean? Like you know, because um, we did ultimately have three consecutive gold records, but we were only kind of like uh, slated to do just one record. I mean, being that it was just wow. meant to be a compilation. Um, and then also we were friends and, 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 you know, like, and we were kind of, you know, if you will, we ganged in and so like, you know what I mean? Like we loyal, like down with each other. So it's like, you know, everybody felt a certain kind of way by feeling anything ulterior to, you know what I mean? Like, uh, 
you know, goody, you know what I mean? Like, you know, but, you know, I had to be true to thine self, you know what I mean? Like, you know, because the fact of the matter is I was always poised to be a solo artist anyway. And at that point, I really was ready. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can honestly say at the beginning I wasn't, but that after three albums and after touring consecutively and, and accomplishing what we accomplished, I said, okay, I think we, you know, I think we made our, our you know, our our impression. It's like, this, so so I I knew somewhat, you know what I mean, uh, of, of what I could accomplish if I applied myself outside of Goody Mob. You know what I mean? Like, Do you think the uh, Santana record kind of helped you get it did. to that point? It, Oh, it did. It did. I got it. I got to give thanks and praise to Miss Lauren Hill, you know, what I mean, like who reached out to me. Um, we all befriended each other on those first tours, Roots, you know, um, uh, uh, Good Goody Mob and, and the Fugees. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's crazy. So, so with that, she came and got me, you know, and I didn't even really, I knew that I, I had a, I knew that I could sing, but I wasn't really tripping, you know, but, you know, it was her joy. And Erica Badu are the first, you know, that's like the Holy Trinity right there. Yes. And I'm saying, you feel me? Like, um, I worked with them separately. I remember going to um, to New York with Erica once, and she and she wanted me to come out on stage and just sing something. And I said, okay, wow. well, what you want me to do? She said, just just do whatever you want to do. Um, and I just hummed and moaned and wailed and you know, and then I sung background vocals for Joy too. So CeeLo, have you done yeah. any, so in your, in your evolution as a singer, have you done any maintain, maintenance on your voice, any kind of coach, like, because it seems like as you evolved, got into that gnarls bag and stuff, and you started experimenting with th- different things in your voice that, you know, it was challenging. It started to come out? Yeah. Well, um, damn, Chris, what was your question again? I just want to make sure I, I get it. I mean, um, <laughs> How'd you quit the group? It, it, was, it, was, it was agreed upon. We, we all had an understanding. Now, um, how it uh, digressed into, you know, I mean, like a lot of the a lot of the internal riffings and, you know, you know, they kind of, you know, spilled over into the street. I really don't know. I mean, like I really wasn't emotionally vested in that way. I mean, like because it was my understanding that there was an understanding. I mean, like, you know, um, I was defaulted. I mean, like, you know, like out of the group because I had always felt like, yo, like we'll go try these other things and then we'll come back. You know, um, as we ultimately end up, you know, doing. But that's how I think know, it should be. Yeah, me too. Take I mean, some time like, off. Do what you gotta do. Come back and, home. and come back to it. I mean, um, so so with that, you know, I mean, I just knew that it was time for me to, to make a move. And it's funny that me and Gip talking about this recently. He said, "Man, well, Lo, you know, you were right. I mean, like it's not something that we could have foresaw. You know what I mean? Like, you know, um, mm. and Gip answered it the best on the episode of Unsung. He said, "I knew that." you know, that time would ultimately come at yeah. some point. He said, but no matter when that time came, it most likely wasn't going to ever be the right time for me. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I didn't, I didn't know that they cared that much. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you wow. know, um, because I also looked at music as recreation. So when I came out with Closet Freak and did that album, that's just me, you know, having fun, just kind of like peacocking <laughs> and showing people, hey, man, like, yeah. I got other stuff in me. I like, you know what I'm saying? I could do all other kind of shit. You know what I mean? My so, favorite record, oh, my favorite song on that album, like it wasn't even like a full song, but I love it to death. Basshead Jazz. Yeah. yeah. I love that fucking song, man. That was the you, one for me. I played that shit on repeat for hours. You want to know something dope about Basshead Jazz? And a lot of people say that, man. Like the reason why the beat keeps cutting off because it got it, it got erased. 
and I just left it like that. Like, you know, um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, me, because I produced all of that stuff and a lot of people mm-hmm. don't know. You know what I mean? That's um, why I was asking you. About was it work. harder being your own? Well, it's that I'll thing, it's it that thing bro. And I, I'm going to tell you a question. I know you're trying to get me to dig into it. It's like, I will say around that time, I didn't really, I didn't really ask for help. I just kind of thought that help should be volunteered. Mm. Um, and I thought that, you know, at some point, everybody would want me to realize my, my own potential. I mean, like, you know, um, because again, I didn't really feel like I was diminishing myself in any kind of way. I thought that it was just a, um, you know, um, a vetting process or like, or, or like a, preliminary, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like, you know, you know, or, you know, or, or some, some sort, some, some type of, you know, incubation kind of process that I was going through to get to a certain point. Um, right. And that's not to discount or, you know, be condescending toward what we did or do collectively. And so like, I love the crew. I'll only show, I'll, I'll only ever show solidarity. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? Like, mm-hmm. I'm built like that. Like, I'm, I'm a team, I'm a team kind of guy, just like you. Anytime I look at Jimmy Fallon Quest, I love y'all because I've known y'all for so long. And I'm like, I'm like, look at that man. I'm saying like that, that man, you know, his, his team trusts him. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? Like they honor his word. I mean, like they're ready to go into battle with him, win, lose, or draw. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? And when you ask who's that alpha male, I could, I could you know, or that alpha individual, you know what I'm saying? Like in our collective. No one wants to assume that position. You know what I'm saying? Like, so therefore, I will say this honestly and transparently just so I can give you something raw. You know what I mean? Like, there's a great deal of appeasement that goes on internally. You know what I mean? Like, you know, um, mm-hmm. to make sure that everybody, you know, that no equilibrium is offset. So I even, I put my accomplishments on the shelf. You know what I mean? Like, when I come home to, to the collective, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like, I'm 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 low. I'm saying like I'm baby brother. I'm little bro. All I'm of that. You say you feel me, and yeah. I love that. I'm saying like because I like having OGs. I'm saying like, you know, I'm a, like a. That's just that's my hard wiring. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? So I really don't mind. You know what I'm saying? Like because I know at a moment's notice I can go and elsewhere and be whole. Yeah. On command, I can be whole. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm only whole because I because because I because crew is inclusive. Let me say that too. So the, the the benefit of it is bilateral. I'm not whole without the collective. I love my guys. So in in the time that you leave the group and you start your solo career, of course, you know, outcasts, you know, they create this this monstrous diamond album yeah. that's inescapable to the world as far as an eclipse and then what happens with you is like in my mind at least in 2003 i thought hey i would just be a defining moment and that that would eclipse everything yeah and then you come here <laughs> with with a new project with like the most, I mean, I I would borderline say that the the rival of of crazy, and the 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 kind of the the term viral, viral moments, viral like crazy. I almost feel is the first viral song, at least in the terms of which the word viral 
started to be used in everyone's lexicon. And I'm not going to argue with you either. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been to the point like where every, I mean, even Paris Hilton had her her cover of it. Yeah. How <laughs> uncomfortable was it for you to accept what I assume is a very unexpected moment where I would assume that like Nas Barkley was just like, hey, let's just do a little cutesy side project with my weirdo friend Brian Brian here. Exactly. And then I'll go do my third record, which incidentally, I mean, if anything, fuck you probably surpassed crazy. I don't know, <laughs> right. like numbers wise, what was more inescapable as far as the 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 bigger song. Was it uncomfortable for you to, to to finally get like the 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 overdue kind of accolades due to you, especially from the environment you came from? Yeah, because you were pretty much Andre twenty nine ninety nine. I mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> like for real, you know what I mean? <laughs> 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 oh, that's a Yo, quote for your ass. I love it. No, but look, man. Okay, so no, I, I I thought that it was dope. You know what I mean? Like you know that you know those two dynamics could come out of, come out of one crew. So therefore, I had always felt like it was you know it was faded. You know what I mean? Like and and it was and we were favored. You know what I mean? Like you know, um, I would love you know I. I can appreciate more and can benefit more with having him as an alliance uh, as opposed to an opponent. You know what I mean? Like, at least we were, you know, alongside of each other. You know what I mean? Like, pushing mm -hmm. our agenda forward, you know, and waving our flag. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we shared the same flag. So, like, it's just like, you know, I, I, and I know that it's typically just kind of one standout person. I mean, like, you know, you got one Jordan on the on the 90 whatever year fucking bulls the 93 bulls or whatever <laughs> you know what i'm saying um and i definitely don't didn't i didn't consider myself a pippin you know what i'm saying like and that's no insult insult to him so uh very seldom you know what i mean like you know it seems like chemically it would almost kind of blow up in your face to have a a kobe you know and a can you imagine kobe and jordan on the same team on the same you know I mean? like, spot you know, yeah you know the um, team would implode yeah, I think so. I think so. And and even, and even when we talk about uh, Outcast being a trio, I, I kind of actually, I could be rational in saying to myself, like, mm, that might be too much. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? It might have been too much. You know? Right. Um, and so I'm glad that whatever I could contribute was just enough uh, to signify Goody Mob in the, in the way that I aided it. You know what I'm saying? You know, um, because I did my part and that's all that I'm there to do. Um so in going forward, you know what I mean? Like, no, I didn't, I, I felt like everything was happening kind of right on time. You know what I mean? Uh, I felt like, you know, as long as I could be a success at being myself, I've got my whole life to do it. It didn't have to be, you know, it didn't have to be a facade. I mean, like a freak of nature. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know, I got a chance to just, you know, be that genuine article, you know, individual account of interpretive arts. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Like, that, that's it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I... I got with Danger Mouse and I knew that he was, you know, uh, peculiar and eccentric, you know, much like myself, you know what I mean? Like in private. And I knew that, you know, our misery gave each other company. You know what I'm saying? You know, and when I heard his music, I, I think my only misery was the fact that, you know, I had not addressed this uh, emotion sooner. You know what I mean? Like, you know, mm. uh, in my repertoire. It took you, you know this I mean? long like, you know, to get there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, um, 
but it, but it was the the timing was you know impeccable. You know what I mean? Because like I. But how weird was the feeling of a, a, achieving a zenith and being number one? Like, is it a be careful for what you ask for a moment? Like, I'm certain that by week 18, you were tired of seeing that damn song. <laughs> well, I, t- I, t- I tell you this, it, it happened because you're right. It's one of those first viral moments. You know what I mean? Like uh, the first song to go to number one by digital download. I mean, like it's got, it's got a Guinness World Record. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This record. You know what I'm saying? Um, and to be totally honest, it was, it was, it was utterly uh, calming uh, and gratifying uh, and relieving, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, because the, 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 um, the, the motive, the, the, the inspiration for the song was, you know, all of those, um, traumatic, you know, times that I could recall of being treated and seen and perceived, you know what I mean? Like, you know, um, as different or crazy or, you know, like, all of that kind of stuff, you, you know what I mean, and um, and and then I could reflect on how it, you know, uh, translated, you know, in my, you know, behavior at a time. You know what I mean, like you know, because that the the the, the video for Crazy is the Rorschach test. The Rorschach test, yeah. Yes. So mm. I, so Robert Hale, the director, I had a conversation with him, and this is where it came from. I was telling him about those times when I was in elementary school middle school and I would get pulled out of the class and taken into you know an office or empty room and they would do those tests on me. You know what mm. I mean? Like wow. I didn't know what it meant. I wasn't really paying attention, you know, and I didn't know if I don't know if and I, I honestly can't recall if I was fledgling academically. I don't know what I was doing besides the behavior that I can recall that would make motherfucker think that I was, you know I mean like needed to be prescribed Ritalin. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Oh you and a lot of brothers like, at the time. At yes. So you too, crazy. The reason why it resonated in such a way because it was so real and the resent was so deep in me. I hated being, you know, what I mean? like called crazy. You know what I mean, like you feel me, or oh, considered crazy. And so, uh-huh. therefore, um, that's why it cut so deep for me, and I meant it so much, and I was so sincere. You know what I mean? And at that point, I was relieved. It's almost like I could have died. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Well, then I'll ask you, did it sort of uh, irk you a little bit once the song ran out of control and everybody and their mom had to cover it? I mean, there was country versions and <laughs> yeah. Paris it, it, Hilton's it, it, version and, like, all these... Like, did it take away from the from the specialness to How you? How personal it was. Yeah. Well, like, like Danger Mouse, he's um, what's the word? He's neurotic in that way. He's mm-hmm. uh, what what they call it, a purist. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's certain things he won't do. Like, you know, he won't take a picture sitting on the left side of the ankle. You know, it's it's right. He, <laughs> he's really pocket protector type. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we're both kind of nerds in our own way, but like, like. You know he's he's he he's 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 a specimen of a person. I mean, like you know. Uh, <laughs> what so? What lesson did you learn in being in a group with him that you didn't utilize in being with Goody Mob that serves can, can, you better? Can I tell you? He told me the greatest. He I got 
two or three different things that he's told me. That's the end, but he's a sweet guy. And, and uh-huh. um, you know, you, you would think he was like some dude that fucking is a vegan or something like that, but no, nah, like all he <laughs> eats is pizza and hamburgers and soda. <laughs> and I mean, like, Right, <laughs> he's a, he's he does look like yeah. a vegan dude. I mean, he lives <laughs> on a farm right now. I, I could have sworn that that was yeah, he his. Lives uh... a, he lives on a farm in Connecticut. That's exactly yeah. where he is. Um, uh, okay, but I tell you what he told me when I opened up the door. He said, um, "Hey, so um, before we get started, I want to say this. Hey, I am, um, you know, I'm obviously a fan of, of you know, most of the work that you do. You know what I mean." Um, and he's, he's that's, that's what he said. I'm a fan of most of what you do. Okay, so he like four and songs on the world party. Thing, okay. <laughs> right, yes. right. He said, so, um, but what I've noticed is there, there's a reoccurring thing that runs throughout your work. And there's this, this person trying to do uh, and say so much good. You know I mean? It's, it's, it's almost like you're trying to uh, be um, redemptive for something he said so i said it says so it's my thinking that anybody trying to do that much good has done an equal amount of bad and i want you to talk about that yes that's somebody who's been in therapy he he, he (laughs) called me out he called me out i said oh okay you know what i'm saying and i just let it spill and i i just felt like okay he's a perceptive guy um and i remember when he was first playing me the tracks that ended up becoming St. Elsewhere, uh, Niles Barkley debut album. A partner, a good friend of mine who I use as a barometer too, his name's Mente. Mente Malone. Um, oh, Mente Malone. Yeah, Mente. Yeah. That's yeah. The I was going to ask you about him. I was what's going on with him, right? He's still at home. He with me. You know what I'm saying? Oh, um, okay. But but he he walked in the room to get something. He said, excuse me, guys, let me grab this right quick. I think he left some keys or his phone or something in the studio. And then, you know, in his in his own unique way, his personality, as he was walking out the door, he didn't look back and the door was kind of slowly you know, those studio doors, they'll go back hard and they'll mm-hmm. come back soft. So mm-hmm. the door was softly closing behind him. He said, by the way, whoever produced that track is crazy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> so basically, he could feel the, the controlled uh, chaos in that production because I felt like that. I said, God damn. You know, I didn't say it to him. I said, but damn, this, this guy is damaged. In a genuine way, you know what I mean. Like I can tell. I'm like, who makes this stuff? You know. And then why is it speaking to me? So it spoke to my internal, you know, um, dialogue. You know, what I mean, my my internal chaos. And I was able to make some sense out of it. You know, what I mean, like, you know, alongside him. And I just felt like a, he's like a real partner in crime. So one of my favorite songs in that record, which I always wanted to know if you'll ever explore more singing in your baritone voice uh, was on the line. Yeah. On the yeah. Line, yeah. And like, how come you haven't decided to explore your, your, your little, your lower voice. When I heard that there's a song that I did with Bilal. As soon as I heard that I ran to Bilal, like I was go- going to get with him in the studio and I played it for him. I said, yo dude, like I want you to do this song in your lower register. Because it's just something you never explored before because everyone expects you to lose your mind on every song that you do. That's right. <laughs> like, That's I want you to allowed. do a controlled song in your baritone. But, yeah, like, how... But will you Blau ever explore... one of my favorite singers. Mm-hmm. He can sing so goddamn good. He's, got, yeah. he's, he's so... 
he's so trippy. <laughs> like, yeah. I got a chance to meet Bilal on a couple of different occasions. And I told him, I was like, yo, sometimes it's my favorite record from you. Yes. Ah. All right. Yeah. Nice. Amir and Dick. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Yes, uh, but, but, compliments. But, yeah. I'm just I'm shouting up Bilal. Mm-hmm. Yes. No. So I was just I was just trying to amuse us because I'll tell you the story. And it's not long. I, you know, he he came to Atlanta. We had about eight days to go in, um, out of pocket, independently, you know, and amuse ourselves. And that's what those mm-hmm. sessions were like. You know, we're going through different tracks and this, that, and the third. You know, um, um, so if I couldn't get anything, like I said, that first day I came, I said, let me hear this, blah 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 blah, and I went home and I wrote something, and then I wrote, I think. Um, just a thought and necromancer and some something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went back and, and 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 he would only have these t- two minute loops. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to see can I can I can I complete a a thought or can I get to a point of realization within those confines? You know what I mean? So that mm-hmm. was the, I had tasked myself in that way, but. You know, he had to go off to Iceland, so he, we were a little rushed, not not really knowing really what to expect of each other. I'm um, just trying to hoping to to get something. I mean, like mm. you know, so the whole uh, y'all did that whole record in eight days, the whole album, pretty much. You know, what I mean, like wow. you know, yeah. um, sometimes the best work's done without thinking it, and you just yeah. just <laughs> didn't think, didn't didn't think about it. You know, what I mean, like it was no time to think, <laughs> completely and totally unpretentious. I promise, it's the most honest organic thing i've ever done you know what i'm saying that worked <laughs> as well as it did were you a violent femme fan or was he a violent femme fan well i had the going daddy going cover that yeah. shocked me i was like oh shit me too that was definitely his idea i i, I was familiar with, with with violent femme from blister in the sun and then uh more more recently around that time was a song they had put out called breaking up you know Right. Um, breaking up. Right. I know that, Yeah. So um, I like that record. So I don't know what got into him to make him think that that I don't know what, what he was doing. But I trusted him in a very uh, uncanny way. I, I, when he said what he said to me, I knew that I could trust him. On another occasion, he told me something else great. He said, he said, low, I guess because he was dealing with the executives and you know, and people felt like, you know, sometimes when people are dealing with the producer, they think they're dealing with the uh, the, the checks and balances, the math of a situation. Like, mm-hmm. you know, songwriting is science and science is subject to interpretation. Math is matter of fact, this exact. So therefore, they rather talk to him than me. Yeah. Uh, so he was dealing with them. And I think he got a notion to say, he said, "Lo, man. Everybody seems to be scared of you. I'm saying, like, you know, because I was writing these songs, and people not knowing how genuine they are. I mean, like, it's like, goddamn, like, you know, like, this guy cool? Is he all right or what? I'm saying, you know what I mean? Like, uh, he said, said, everybody seems to be scared of you. He said, but I'm not scared of you. He said, as a matter of fact, when I'm with you, I'm not scared of anything. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's the, you know, that's, that's, I want to quote him out loud in the world with that. I want that to, reverberate, you know what I'm saying, like, you know, like, all over, because that's one of the sweetest things anybody ever told me, you know what I'm saying, like, wow. um, and, you know, I'm like, I'm like Shrek in my own little way, you know what I'm saying, you feel me, like, this, <laughs> this, like, man, you the know, like, references, boy. <laughs> I'm like, Bruh. 
pe- people have taken me to be because because at certain at a certain point, like when we got to the second Nas Rock the album, you know, then his ego started to kick in a little bit, and he kind of felt like he was Doctor Frankenstein, and I was of course Frankenstein. You know what I'm saying? Uh, okay. And I'm like, well, no, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, yeah. they're like, you know, I'm smarter than that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you tell me then. <laughs> Right. Then I then I always find myself having to assert myself, and then then when I get did angry, you, then wh- then we got a problem. Hmm. Was it made the opposite way? Did you guys spend more time thinking it over and and kind of less the 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 approach that you did with the first record? Okay, let me say this: He had to leave through through, through one of those sessions we were doing. We were doing something else where he came in the studio. He gave me like two copies of the uh the gray album which was the the the, the mashup uh-huh. that he did yeah the mashup joint with jay and when that and when that went out it was like boom <laughs> you know what i'm saying like it was like wow and then on then on the on the on the other side i end up writing and producing don't you for the pussycat dog you know mm-hmm. that's right yeah so we yeah, had, we gotta get that story. I've never, I've always <laughs> wanted to ask. Yeah, I'll, we gotta get that story, man. Like at the time, w- 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 well, you know, after I left Big Mob and I and, and I had the two, I had Perfect Imperfections, I had Soul Machine. You know, they were critically acclaimed. Perfect Imperfections was nominated for a Grammy. Uh, NDRE ended up beating me out of that Grammy that year. I was nominated for a Grammy for that album, uh, and she's my sister, so like it was all good. But I was kind of ready to walk away. And I was like, yo, like, because I'm never really tripping about seeing, being seen or anything like that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, as, as extroverted as I am, I really, I don't really care, bro. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, I could just, I could write songs and, you know, and get quiet money and, and, and shut the fuck yes. up. Listen, like, you know, like, I don't, yo, I'm not tripping. Necessary I, I, I for Brandy. I love that. For, I just wanted to say before I forget, the, the joint you wrote, Necessary yes. for Nigga, I love I that's my favorite. So, hell yeah, I love that shit. So, you know, I'm surprised that she loved that record, but like, you know, what I mean, like, you know, that that's something that I would the sentimentally I would write for myself, but like she that record spoke to her. And I'm like, Brandy, she's one of the greatest she's I love her voice. Ray J is my yeah. man. So like I've known her for years. And so anyway, that's that story. But no, you're right. So like I so I went I slipped into a songwriting kind of space. And I was like, well, I'll just do that. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? And I won't trip. Uh, but the Nars Rocky kind of, I, I didn't know if it would work. But again, it was just something recreational. I didn't really, you know, I didn't care. I mean, like, you know, um, and I wasn't as concerned, you know. But when you're not looking for it, that's when you find it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then y'all um, perfected y'all live show to, like, levels of, because I remember y'all did the Roots Picnic, and it was amazing. Like, yeah. yo. We start kicking ass, y'all. Like, you know, and that's what happened. You know, like that that journey that took me on a journey of ten years. Mm-hmm. You know, between those two albums and touring, like you know, um, and you know, then you're supplying, you find, and then then it's not a dream anymore; it's a reality. Uh, but then you become, you know, preoccupied with the uh, with the demand. You end up having to supply such a large demand. You know, uh, you, it's ironic in a way of like, you know, you, 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 you're working hard to kind of make that connection, you know, and then once you make it, you got to work three times as hard to supply. I mean, you feel me? Like, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so anyway, no complaints. Listen, black representation is essential. If I hadn't seen and heard certain black women in radio, I wouldn't be in radio. Women like Robin Breeden, Candy Shannon, Michelle Wright. 
Tiana Williams. Women owning radio stations like Kathy Hughes. Listen, the next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. Word. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Each episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so I feel silly. Because as much traveling as I do, and as many Airbnbs that I stay in, because that's the only way I travel, I really have never considered my own space. I mean, think about it. What if you can make money for your next vacation while you're on vacation? And I know what you're thinking. You're like, my house is just not fancy enough. I just can't do the things. You're sleeping on your space. I'm sleeping on my space. Yes, I'm talking to myself. And I really don't even have to use my whole place. I could just Airbnb a room. I know how this works. Because again, I use Airbnb. Duh. I mean, just think about it. Most of us that use Airbnb are only using it for 50% of its power. We're spending the money, but we're not making the money. What if we could do both? Whoa, mind blowing. And your home really might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. I believe you're the only human being I know that I don't know if it was at the height of crazy or not. Where is it? Dispel this rumor. Were you not in a room with both Prince and Michael Jackson at the same time? Yes. Can I, I tell you that I heard the story? <laughs> Did you hear what I am telling? No, I, I, I don't. I don't know no. where I heard. Maybe I read a blurb or something, but I heard a rumor, and I was like, "No, impossible." Of course, I think what, you're probably what, the only, what happened? I think you're probably the only bigger Prince fan than me than I than I can acknowledge <laughs> or even have any knowledge of. But yes, like you know, Prince is like my 
fairy godfather. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> I, I love story. him. What's the story? So okay, so, you in the room with both of them. Okay, so the story goes, I, we were in Las Vegas doing something. I don't know what we were doing. Maybe we were on tour. But we ended up at a club, and there was this beautiful woman there. She was dressed like, what do you call those ladies in the courtroom who's typing this stuff? What is it, like stenographer? Stenographer. The stenographer. Okay, she was dressed like a stenographer. Hair pulled back no in a tight bun. And she was gorgeous. And, and like, she didn't fit in whatsoever, right? <laughs> so we walked to the back of the club, and we're sitting there. You know, Erotic City comes on. Mm. Boom, boom, boom. And we're like, oh, shit, Prince, here we go. You know what I'm saying? Next thing you know, Prince walks through there. And we're like, oh, shit, that was Prince. <laughs> and, you, and, and if you know Prince, like I know him, then you know he always does this little smirk. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. it's just a little smirk that he does. And I was like, damn. You know, like, because at first the girl seemed so out of place. I'm like, what is she doing here? So, um... So anyway, it turns out that she was with him and she was some artist. That he, he ended up putting a record out on her. She was gorgeous. I don't remember her name though. But like, but, you know, but but but, but, but anyway, anyway. Was one of them. Yeah, it was a lot yeah of them. something like Join. that. Like so, so he 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 uh he called me. So he sent the security over, they called me over, and he said that he loved um crazy. He said he listened to the album, uh he listened to St. Elsewhere. He said it's he said he said I said I must admit though, it scared me a little. Mm. And I said, it scared you? And I'm like, I thought that that was so amazing because I'm like, that's how I got into Prince because he scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but I, right. I was drawn to him. There's a song called Annie Christian that scared Christian, me to yeah. death. On Controversy. Talks yeah. about Atlanta. Yes. <laughs> it <laughs> right. does. Thank you. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Um, so that song was unnerving to me. I don't know why, but you know, that's him. That's the that's the magic of him. But anyway, so anyway, we we exchange contacts. He gets in, he gets in contact with me, and he's doing his Vegas residency at the Rio Hotel in the round room. So this room is made like a circle. Okay, so I'm there. I get invited down there to 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 perform crazy with him at his residency. Um, me and Will were cool too at the time. We were talking a lot more frequently. And he said that he was going to be there. So we, we got there and, you know, Will was in Vegas working with Michael Jackson, you know, doing something. So we're there. We do, you know, I do crazy with Prince and Will does whatever he does. And I don't know what it was. I don't know if it, I can't remember what record it was. Just maybe some vamp that they were doing. Prince gets on the bass and it looks like the longest neck bass I've ever seen. Like it was fucking. <laughs> <laughs> well, Prince you know? is also like five foot zero, so exactly. <laughs> Any bass so, is taller so, than Prince. So he walks out into the room, and this is before I knew Michael Jackson was there. So um, he walks out, and the spotlight is on him, and he gets right in front of Michael Jackson's table. And I promise you, the the tip of that bass was touching Michael Jackson's nose. And he, <laughs> he, he sat there, he slapped that bass about two or three minutes. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> Michael ain't no punk. And so that was that. But what did Michael's face look like? Because he ain't no punk. He like, I'm Joe Jackson's son, goddamn. Hold yeah. up. Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson ain't no punk, and that's a fact. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, but I guess he was kind of looking like 
He was like, yo, this dude just won't quit, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> this has been years, Prince. I don't got no problem with you, bro. No Stop it. <laughs> I don't want no smoke with you, little man. But I I met, you know, so that was like my second physical time meeting Prince. The first time I met that club that night, the meeting the, the meeting agreement with him at the show. Uh, but that was my first and only time meeting Michael Jackson. And Michael Jackson, when he stood up, Michael Jackson, for those who, do, who don't know, he's like 10 feet tall. <laughs> he's tall? He, he's tall with huge hands. He's like an alien, dude. Like, I mean, like, he looks like the Predator. He's just a big dude. <laughs> 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 I got another crazy first story, too, I tell you. <laughs> Say it. Run it. We live for it. Oh, no, dude. Okay, so one time it was, you know, he would do these after Grammy parties. And right. so, you know, this was um, this was the year that I did the, I did Fuck You. Uh, I did it with Gwyneth Faltrow. I had on the chicken suit. You remember yeah, that? Yeah, like, wow. um, oh, John, yeah. that joint. I was yeah, there. I, did, yeah, I was yeah, there. That was my homage to, the, uh, to Elton John. Okay, so I was sitting out in the audience watching the rest of the show, and he had somebody come around tapping different people who he felt like, you know, he wanted to invite to the house. So we ended up, we got, we got the, ad, the address. <laughs> yeah. So we got the address and we ended up going over there. Like I remember um, Maxwell was there. Dave Chappelle was there. Um, and, you know, um, so you can hear the music downstairs and we were just kind of talking, you know, I didn't rush right downstairs. I'm looking around and then see Prince. He's like, well, he's down there playing music. So we get, I go downstairs, and it, it, as soon as I come in the door, it's like a path is made for me, and Prince is directly in front of me, but he's playing bass. He's like, come here. He's just asking me to come here. He says, pick a song. So mm. anytime he's ever been depicted a certain kind of way, like Dave Chappelle doing him on, um, on Chappelle's show, show yeah. <laughs> that's exactly how he is. You know what I mean? Like, he, he said, pick a song. Pick a song. I'm like, okay. So it's this big book, this big book of song lyrics printed out. And, you know, I picked something easy that I knew, and it was Superstition. So I sang uh, Stevie Wonder's Superstition, you know. And so in the process of me, you know, that song is four minutes long, you know what I mean, like, you know, give or take. And in that process, uh, he got off the bass, got on the drums, went and mixed my vocal, and did some other shit. I'm saying, you feel me? So... I was like, damn. <laughs> Not a four minutes on in his world. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so so I, I had some friends with me, and he was gracious enough to have us there. So as the night went on, we're partying, you know, and, you know, people kind of started fanning out. So we end up staying there all night. You know what I mean? Like, so I sat and talked with him and blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know. So Did he try he to this, convert you to, to, to hand out? Jehovah, Jehovah Witness? Yo, man, you fell in the pitfall. You fell in the trap. <laughs> Whenever he starts we, that, I'm like, I'm out. Check, please. That's what, we about. <laughs> that's what we sat there and talked about. Jehovah's Witness. I said, okay. You know, um, so so that was that. And then, look, so this is around the time question. I'm sure you'll know. He had that little two-door black Cadillac. looked like the black mo- the Batmobile. You, yes. know, you remember that one? I know okay. it. Okay. Yes. It's 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 six or seven o'clock in the morning. It's that it's that real hazy looking like Hotel California. You know what I'm saying? Like coming right. out. You know we we drunk and been high and all that kind of stuff. 
You know what I'm saying? So not not him, but us. You know what I'm yes, <laughs> yeah. I know. Trust me, everyone knows. So with that, we're coming out of the door, and then my homeboy says, "Yo, did y'all see Prince?" I said, "No, where is he?" He he was jumping into the car. So the garage door was up, but you could see the car, the Cadillac. He gets he said he said he just got in that Cadillac right there. Okay, so imagine if we we're parked immediately across the street. So the the the, the driveway is here. You know, the car is right there. The mailbox is right here. He <laughs> takes off out of the garage. It, he, he almost runs us over. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Man, look, I, I, I wish it could be. It's kind of crazy now that I'm saying it, but, like, it was funny for us then because it was just I mean, it was like, what is he doing? Where is he going? Isn't this his house? Where is he going? <laughs> his heel you know probably got stuck. It's all right. So, but, no, but uh-huh. he, didn't, he wasn't trying to hit us, but so he he he, he cuts out of the driveway real quick. Whoop! He makes a left, and we're parked like facing up the hill because we only we only know of one entrance into that subdivision. Right. We I, I don't know where he was going if he was going to ma- if he was making a left. You know what I'm saying? Like right. Where, where could you go? <laughs> where were you going, man? It's seven o'clock in the morning. Why are you if civilizations man? to the right? Why was he going to the left? You know What's something wrong? y'all don't. He knows but, something but look, y'all don't. I just think the reason why it's just cool because I just think that. It was just to give us kind of something to be talking about right now, you know, 12 years later. I mean, like, <laughs> he just he just gave us a little question mark, a little mystery. It was great. He, I mean, he like, always does that. Does weird shit just to, I know it'll be a story later. He, yeah. He did, a, he did a shit to us once where I think the last time I saw him, he changed his outfit twice. Did he? For no reason. It was literally just... He had one outfit on, came back in, had another outfit on, and then like ten minutes later, came back with another outfit on, <laughs> as if, as if it were nothing. I love and, it. And yeah, that was the strangest shit to me. So I want to get to your um your newest album. Okay. Now you, this this is produced by um Dan Arbeck from from the Dan Black Keys. First of all, I I hear a lot about Memphis, Tennessee, Brian. Uh, Danger Mouse himself has tried to sell me on how amazing it is in Tennessee and how there's a yeah. music community down there and how there's uh, all this, you know, the songwriting community and musicianship and studios and vintage studios. So, yeah, why why the 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 move to record in Tennessee? Well, it's Nashville, actually. And uh, he um, we befriended each other because. Um, they they came and supported us uh, and checked out the show. Um, one year we were doing South by Southwest in Austin, Texas, and mm-hmm. um, that's how we befriended the Black Keys. And then and then shortly thereafter, uh, Danger ended up producing their album Brothers. With uh, that, okay. uh, right. I'm a lonely boy. I'm a lonely boy. I gotta, gotta, you know, so that he pr- he produced that album with them or for them or something like that. So anyway, uh, I ended up bumping into him some years later in London. We both were performing on Jules Holland, if you're familiar. Oh, yeah. Jules. Yeah. Later with Jules Holland. Yeah. So we were doing that and we exchanged numbers because his set was so cool. He had this all-female mariachi band. And I was like, yes. oh, damn, that sounds great. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I befriended them too. You know what I mean? Um, so, so with that, then he reached out to me maybe like, you know, six months or uh, four months, something later, and just asked me to come to Nashville, you know, to write. He said, I, he said, I really appreciate you as a songwriter. You know what I mean? And maybe we can get together, get in the room, collaborate on some stuff. And, you know, that's basically, you know, the gist of it. And then I, I said, okay, cool. This is, this is Dan from the Black Keys. I mean, like I, I, I dig them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, you know, the time was right. I was available. You know, it's a 30 minute flight from Atlanta. I'm like, cool. I mean, like, so I went and it was strange because I wasn't really sure. Like, you know, but, you know, everybody was there at a, you know, check-in was like 11 o'clock in the morning of which I've never recorded anything that early in the day. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, so I'm like, okay, 11 o'clock. But we will only go from like 11 to 4. You know what I'm saying? 11 to 4 or 5. And I didn't understand. You know what I mean? Um, and I kind of was getting a little little irritated with it for the first few days. I'm like, I don't really know what's going on. We just kind of, you know, so we would sit around the table and, and you know, kind of writing songs and recording voice memos into the phone and, you know, with either with a ukulele or an acoustic guitar um, mm-hmm. or, or a Wurlitzer, you know. So, you know, it was really quaint, you know what I mean? Like, you know, um, and simple, you know, country living was the approach, you know. And so I, so over the, over six months, I went back maybe like a week, uh, uh, about four weeks total. So maybe like a month out of the six months, I went and sit and went down there for a week. And I asked him, I said, yo, I said, what, I said, what's, I said, what's up with 11 o'clock in the day? I, like, is, I said, is that like the magic hour? I'm like, what's that? <laughs> then he was like, no. He said, well, all of these musicians, man, you know, they're in their, like, their, their 70s. You know what I mean? He said, so like, yeah. you know, he said, man, he said, quite frankly, man, like, you know, I, they like to be done early. And, I, you know, I kind of got to, you know, need to try to get as much as I can get out of them, man. You know, we don't have them forever. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I was like, God damn, I didn't realize that. Because I didn't really realize who they were. Because he didn't really give me any discla- disclaimer that in his mind, he was recording the greatest soul album of all time on CeeLo Green. You know, wow. so he only told me that he wanted to write songs. So I'm thinking, I'm like, yeah, we're going to get some of this country music money and blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm thinking <laughs> of it like, I'm thinking of it like that. You know, and, and again, I was again at another point in my career where like, I don't want to be, I'm tired of being CeeLo Green. I just kind of want to be me. I mean, like, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm older, I'm an elder statesman, you know, I, you know, I want to be refined in a way of where now, you know, I could just go by my name. So I had contemplated doing a Prince and, and not being referred to as CeeLo Green anymore. I'm like, I'll just be, I'll just be Callaway. And so the way that my granddaddy was called, like, you know, I mean, Thomas Callaway. I said, because, you know, it's about legacy now. Anything I do from this point on is about legacy. And, you know, the legacy is in the last name. You know what I mean? So I've been telling press that Thomas Calloway writes the songs that CeeLo Green sings. So I only went as Thomas Calloway to be a writer. And then so that last week he said, hey, man, I was thinking, you know, we've got some good ideas, you know. You think maybe you could come back and maybe like you know cut cut a few of them just to kind of see how your voice sounds on them. And I was like, you know, that's not really what we discussed. But I'm like, cool, I, you know, I'll sing them. And I'm saying, you know, why not? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I went down, and unbeknownst to me, he's got a studio full of all of these great legendary Nashville Muscle Shows, you know, musicians mm-hmm. who played on all of this wonderful music. You know what I mean? Like. And I, I really didn't know because he, he didn't give me any disclaimer, you know, about who they were 
nor did he give me a disclaimer about that he was secretly recording an album on me. Um, <laughs> all the names, uh, David Rowe, Bobby Wood. Like, yeah. you know, I know Bobby Wood played on Chris Christopherson's. Yeah, exactly. Stuff. And so, I know, uh, yeah, Russ, um, yeah. Russ Powell as well. Yep, yep, yep. So, so with that, you know, that was my first time recording uh, with charts. Um, oh, so wow. I was I, yeah. I was familiar with all of the songs that we had written over the last three weeks, you know, but I had never sung them besides those kind of voice references, you know, in his phone. But, you know, he had went and printed out sheet music, I mean, charts and everything. I mean, like, so by the time I got there, you know, I'm looking at the songs. I'm like, okay, look, I remember this one. And then so I got one eye on the, on the paper, the lyric sheet, and then I got one eye on watching them play it all down flawlessly. You know what I mean? So it, it gave me, my disposition was really humbled, you know, as opposed to going in there with any airs or any ego. You know what I mean, so like, you know, this album is completely unpretentious. That's why I like it so much. You know what I mean? So it's basically like Dan Auerbach's gift to me. So you That's made an crazy. album without knowing you were making a record. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I recorded that album in two days because I just sung the songs we had. It, it was just that oh, easy wow. to do. Yeah. I wish I could do everything like that. <laughs> man, I want to ask you always about Stray Bullets. That's one of my favorite projects of yours, man. Come on, bro. You know what about that? Come on, man. I, you you singing over the stereo shit. The like, dude, man. Talk about okay, that. What, what was doing that record? I was just talking to my management. I said, like, yo, I need to re-release Stray Bullets. Yes, like for because real. enough people didn't hear it. Okay, so what it was That was where I found out that CeeLo, I mean not CeeLo, that uh that Cujo could play the sax because you had him on yeah, break nothing yeah, shots yeah, exactly. anymore. He, well, I got I gotta ruin that for you because I was just teasing. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I said that because at that time, you know, we were kind of all estranged from each other. And oh, Cujo okay. was just dealing with the accident. You know what I mean? Yeah, he lost so his foot. I, yeah, so I just was, I was loving on him in that way. Kuzo oh, wow. on the sack, y'all. You know what I'm saying? I so, thought that was really him. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I went to London to do Lady Killer, that record, you know, um, and it was all of this northern blue-eyed soul, you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. They kind of like soul by numbers. I didn't particularly enjoy it, nor did I really, you know, did I think it was good. I mean, like, you know, but even though one of your did, biggest hits came from it. No, absolutely. No, I was wrong. I was totally wrong. <laughs> by the way, like what like what was the impetus of that? You just said I got a great song title called Fuck You, and the label was like, Yes, we see it. This is a hit. Okay, okay no, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you about that too. So check this out. All right, so I'll tell you the first story. You know, I was trying, we, we recorded for like three years trying to get yeah. that record. You know what I'm saying? And I had done all of that stuff. So when I was like straight bullets, I got that idea from a, um, a Devo album called Greatest Misses instead of Greatest Hits. <laughs> Great series, mm -hmm. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, and straight bullets was just like, yo, I'm just going to bust these off, you know, like, and they hit somebody. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? <laughs> but I had, I had done a lot of music. And I really wasn't getting that. I wasn't having it reciprocated. I mean, like by the label, the way that I wanted. And I'm just like, damn, y'all ain't fucking with none of this. And so I put that mixtape out to spite them of all of that material because it was the last album. It was supposedly, um, you know, at that time with Atlantic. You know what I mean? But they ended up right. picking up the option. I ended up doing one more album with them. 
uh, Heart mm. Blanche. The Heart but, Blanche, um, yeah. So I just said, like, well, yo, I mean, like, I just do a mixtape and I just leaked it. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? Um, and that's why I didn't really get any kind of a claim. That's why I'm surprised you're even mentioning it. But Tyler, the creator, record. loves it too. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it, that's one of the dopest projects I ever did. So I found all of this public domain library music, you know what I mean? Like, to where it wasn't really, you couldn't really have any copyright infringement, like, mm-hmm. you know, clauses and all like that. So I just did songs to that stuff and just, you know, it was just amusing myself. No different than, um, I put out a project called TV on the radio too. Oh I was yeah. Doing. You, your voice, the shit you sung over the peanuts thing. Yeah. Yes, little children. <laughs> Man, I love that shit, dude. That shit's so hard. I gotta hear that shit. I didn't it's hear it. Out your quest. I'll send it to you, man. Like, you know, some of it is out there, like on YouTube. Um, but they snatched it down. Um, because of course, you know, I, I didn't clear it or nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it was just ingenious. You know what I mean? Like I just and sometimes I have to almost like that's my little sparring match with myself to kind of get something out before I try to, you know, be so subservient to what they, you know, mm-hmm. all of the many cooks in the kitchen with the major label shit. Like I didn't enjoy it. So I'm much happier you know, being an independent artist again. Last time I was independent, you know, Gnarls and Don't and all that kind of stuff came from me being able to have enough space. You know what I mean? Like to do what I want to do. Okay, so I feel silly because as much traveling as I do and as many Airbnbs that I stay in because that's the only way I travel, I really have never considered my own space. I mean, think about it. What if you can make money for your next vacation while you're on vacation. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, my house is just not fancy enough. I just can't do the things. You're sleeping on your space. I'm sleeping on my space. Yes, I'm talking to myself. And I really don't even have to use my whole place. I could just Airbnb a room. I know how this works. Because again, I use Airbnb. Duh. I mean, just think about it. Most of us that use Airbnb are only using it for 50% of its power. We're spending the money but we're not making the money. What if we could do both? Whoa, mind-blowing. And your home really might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. 
You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. What happened with the record? So you had a project. You had a bunch of side projects that I want to ask you about. Uh, you had the heart Jackson attack. Nick. Oh, heart attack. Heart attack with Jack Splash, but then the Jazzy Faye record, the uh, I had it. It was the Happy Hour. Happy Hour. Happy Hour. Because okay. y'all had the joint, the Enjoy Yourself with you, Jazzy, and Nate Dogg. Nate, Nate Dogg, yeah. Nigga. Like, what, what okay, happened? Okay, look. That project is that basically was cookout still music. brand new. I was new. ready for that you know album. Mean? <laughs> I love that album so much. I told yeah. him the other day, I called him, I said, like, yo, since everybody is going on Zoom and shit, I said, like, let's do... Let's go on and call it the, the happy hour and just play the unreleased album. You know what I mean? We're supposed to do it. I, I, he might he may still be up for it, but we didn't do it. But anyway, I'll tell you what happened with that. I was recording that at the same time as I was recording Niles Barkley. Oh, okay. So he had a deal with um, Capitol Records that was supposed to be for a solo album with him or a compilation album, Jazzy Faye and Friends. And then mm-hmm. we met up in Miami. We did a couple of songs. He's like, oh, shit, like. Nah, this is the this is the move. So he switched it out. So like, no, nah, I'm gonna do a CeeLo, you know, me and CeeLo album or this that and the third. So the album is so dope. Um, it still holds up even after all of these years. But what he did was, you know, we recorded it all just at our leisure. But we never signed a we never signed a deal for it. You know what I mean? Like uh, you know, gotcha. um, by the time we had the whole album done, we went on a promo tour. We did Soul Train. We shot a video. You know, but we never signed a deal. Wow. And but and so so I'm going across the street. I'm leaving those sessions, like going to see see Danger Mouse for a couple of hours. You know, and I always get a little get a little irritated with it because, like, you know, after a while, you you want to go into it optimistically and diplomatically. But like, you know, sometimes I'm just like, like, yo, like, you know, I don't know. You know I'm saying you feel me, like, you know, <laughs> I, I don't want to, sh- you know, whatever. I mean, like, so that was that, but. When when Nas Barkley hit, because it remember it just hit all of a sudden. It was like boom, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then they had they, they they had to shelf the project because it wasn't no deal. You know what I mean? Like, and quite frankly, it, it just couldn't compare. You know what I mean, like now now to ask a question about fuck you. Mm-hmm. All right, so what happened was when I was in L.A., I recorded Lady Killer in Miami, L.A., and London. They gave me a blank check to do whatever I wanted to do after crazy. <laughs> so I was everywhere trying to get that record. And we ended up getting it. You know what I'm saying? Like, so Mike Karen introduced me to who's now known famously Bruno as Bruno yeah. Mars. At the time, they were introducing me as Phil and Bruno. That was how they were kind of circulating. Phil right. Lawrence was his writing partner at that time. You know what I mean? So I was working at Nightbird Studios at the Sunset Marquee in L- in, in L.A. They came over, and I'm like, what's up? You know what I mean? Like, you know, I didn't really know them. I didn't know what they did, and I just was kind of letting them hear some of the stuff that I was working on, and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, you know, maybe you could try this or this or blah, blah, blah. I'm like, man, who the fuck is y'all? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like you see them. <laughs> so, so I told them, I said, you know what, bro? I'll be right back. I'm going to go. I'm going to use the restroom. So I went upstairs to the room and I just never came back. 
and I just left him in the studio. And I've said, I've said this a couple of times because I was being really rude. I didn't really know. I didn't know them. I didn't know them to respect them. But lessons but, learned, CeeLo. But but then we we rectified that. We got back together. Bruno had a lot of love for me, and you know, kind of looked at me as a mentor. And if you guys pay attention, you'll realize that you know he was kind of built off of my back. You know what I'm saying, you know, mm. um, because you know he wrote just the way that you are for me. Um, you rejected that. Well, yeah, because I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't think you it didn't was for it. me, but, but right. yeah, I didn't see it for me. No different than, you know, he started fuck you. And then we, we ultimately, you know, me and Phil came in cause he had to, the, the day of the session and we went over and he said like, yo, I got this idea. He said, man, you know, it's a little, little crazy, but just bear with me. And it was like, you know, it was just a hook. I see you driving around town with a girl I love and I'm like, fuck you. I'm like, oh, okay. But see, at that time, this is bringing straight bullets back into the conversation. At this time, I was kind of pissed. This is three years later. And I'm like, yo, I can't get no satisfaction. I'm so ready to say fuck you to the label, to everybody. So to me, fuck you was essentially a protest song to the label. You know what I mean? I thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was ridiculous enough for them to drop me. That's why I was so... Can I tell y'all how quick it worked, bro? I'm gonna tell you, we had to go to London to do some fucking promo or something. They and, and I think fuck you may have been the first song to introduce lyric sheets with printing out the lyrics at the at real yeah. time with the with the music. I had never seen it when before. YouTube, that. Right. Yeah. So wow. shit. So with that, I think I want to say it was the first one, bro. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not tripping, but, but, um, no, it, so it, it came, it came fast and it came like, so fast, bro. It, it came like, okay, so we had to get on a plane and go to London. By the time we landed in London, it was a hit. Wow. So that's eight hours. So like basically like in eight hours, that shit was a hit, bro. <laughs> well, you talk about songs that you, you know, that you didn't think were for you. Is there a version of you singing Happy by Pharrell? It is. Mm. Okay. okay. So we were... How'd we you were, know? Yeah, I, my homie Amir, Amir Wyndham, he uh, was working with Pharrell that oh, time. Okay. But I heard that, I wasn't heard that it was originally, Pharrell wrote it for you. And so he I always did. wondered if, if there was a version of you singing it, of a reference That's, or whatever. I tell you the story. Me and Pharrell been friends and collaborators, collaborators for a long time. Yeah, he was on your um, second album. He was on the uh, what's yep. called on the uh, mm-hmm. Soul that's right, Machine. On Soul Machine. So with that, he um he was doing Despicable Me too, and I was in the Bahamas in Eleuthera recording Heart Blunt. Um, that's I think Lenny Kravitz owns that island because he was there. He came by the house. Yeah, I know. Okay. I know he lives there. I don't know if he owns it, but. So we was there, and he came down on his own dime, you know, to to kick it and be a part of it. And he played it for me. And, you know, me, it, it was just, he played it for me with the disclaimer that it was about to be a part of a a, a, a Disney Pixar movie. You know what I mean? Like, you mm-hmm. know, so I wasn't really, I didn't see it, like, for what it became. But there is a version of where I sang it, you know, and the and the version that you hear is the demo that he made Basically, his emulation of my voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm down in the day. 
Yeah. You know, so <laughs> I don't know if I sound like that, but maybe I do. Maybe, you know, whatever. That's the first but, time I'm hearing. So, yeah, we, we got that version. Yeah, but I, I, I said, you know, in the press, I was just like, I, I know that Pharrell has had, a, you know, some solo success as an artist, but, you know, mainly as a producer. But for what that record ultimately ended up becoming, I'm like, you know, and he was about to be generous enough to give that record away. I said, so I believe that that's the universe rewarding his selflessness. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because um, he was, you know, he was definitely pushing for it for t- um, to um, to be my record. And right. the 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 politics behind it, I tell you, Atlantic Records they wouldn't clear it for for whatever reason. I think because we were about to go with another single, and you know, I think Despicable Me wanted single rights for it at the time and they didn't want it to conflict so uh, you know that it was logical that decision but of course you can't you can't win them all you, you, you know what i mean like and that's really what happened you know what i mean and so i guess he decided to just put it out and then it kind of you know it worked as a record on the soundtrack but then i guess when he shot i think he said when he shot the visual that's when the record really came yeah, to life that's when it you know took off because because he had a hat and then he had people all over like the world kind of doing it. Like it, 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 yeah. it, it, it oh, that's insane. right. The 24 hour video. The 24 hour joint. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Man, yo, it so was, that a, was oh, it. Go ahead. Yo, it nah. was a record. I wanted to ask you that is the people shit I'm loving right now. That record had to be mine, though, by the way. <laughs> you think so? It would have been so? overkill. It would have been. Oh, thank you. It, it thank been I wasn't overkill. ready to hear that much happiness from CeeLo. They would have hated me. I knew it. I knew it. I'm so glad Thank you guys you so said happy I'm, so, to- I'm so glad I just remembered to say that. I said, mm, yeah. I, I, I'm glad it's not mine. I said, that's his record. That's his record. It belongs Plus, to the, the things that Pharrell had to do around that record, like the promo, the stage that he had, I was like, mm-mm. Nah, he it just, was a lot. It was a lot. He pr- I'm sure he probably doesn't enjoy doing that record to this day. I'm sure he doesn't. He hates that part. <laughs> yo man tell us about the record you did with um it just came out i think like last year intentions you big boy and uh sleepy I'm i love that, fucking that song, man dude I, all right I, I need more of that i love that fucking song okay so check this out we were all in a room the entire dungeon family drake 3000 included you know he was about to come on board to do another Dungeon Family album. <clears throat> and we were going to do it. <laughs> but uh, exactly. We were even like, fingers crossed, like, really, Trey? So after that, L.A. Reed and everybody, we want to do L.A. Reed and Hit Call. So <laughs> and I'm, tell- I'm, tell- <laughs> I'm telling this story for the first time. <sighs> so we were, we were all there. Everybody's there, you know, um, and so just to, you know, on good faith, you know, after L.A. left the meeting, you know, Ray from Organized North started pulling up some tracks. And, like, we all at the studio. We all up at Stankonia. We, like, playing some tracks. And I said, ooh, what's that? And then, like, the Sleepy Brown said to me, yo, he said, actually, I got a, I already got kind of like a little idea today. Then he got in my ear, like, yo, I got Right? So I said, yeah. okay. I said, I like that. I said, like, I said, let me, let, I said, let me, let me. Let me dance with you on it. You know what I'm saying? I said, I got, I got something. I said, I'm going to go in the booth and just, and just rock real quick. So just off the top of the head, because I, it, it felt like loose ends to me. You know what I mean? Mm. It's like loose ends meets cold-blooded by Rick James. Like that's... Right, right, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
so that's how I ended up having those two parts on there. I had the uh, the top part and then the, the inverse. That's, that's all you um, said in there. Then I just disappeared. Yeah, you was so on that shit. We, we but we thought that it would probably just kind of it was a little incentive for the Dungeon Family project. I'm saying like you know, okay. but Sleepy Brown. And and Big Boy were working on the project simultaneously called the Big Sleepover at the time, and that's where the, that's where the original idea came from. So all of a sudden, in days times, you're like, "Yo, we're gonna shoot a video for this and make this a single." I'm like, "Really?" I'm like, "Damn, we're just wow. fucking around." But I'm like, "But okay, I'm glad y'all like it." And and that's kind of where it came from. And then um, we were, we were we were slated to do the Dungeon Family album, but then again, you know, um, I think Dre ended up having to go off and film. Um, it's a show that he's that he's doing. The the dispatches from everywhere. Yeah, the AMC show, it. the one in so, yeah, Philly, oh, yeah, yeah, right? Philly one. Yep, right? yep. Yeah. They kind of that took the, it. Kind of took the wind out of the sails. I, I gotta say that, but he was already slated to do it. You know what I'm saying? Does Sleepy Brown Damn. understand that people want more Sleepy Brown in their life? Does he really understand that? I feel like <laughs> because he put that I, one album out and maybe he didn't get the response he wanted. But like people fucking love Sleepy Brown. No, for sure. He's a legend, man. Like, you know, he's 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 a part of so many iconic things pertaining to Goody. I mean, excuse me, pertaining to, to Dungeon. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's big bro. You know what I mean? Like, you know, um, I love Sleepy. He's one of my close friends. But he just needs to know. Tell him the people want it. I'm just saying. I'm going to tell him. I'm going to yeah. let him know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I feel silly because as much traveling as I do and as many Airbnbs that I stay in, because that's the only way I travel... I really had never considered my own space. I mean, think about it. What if you can make money for your next vacation while you're on vacation? And I know what you're thinking. You're like, my house is just not fancy enough. I just can't do the things. You're sleeping on your space. I'm sleeping on my space. Yes, I'm talking to myself. And I really don't even have to use my whole place. I could just Airbnb a room. I know how this works. Because again, I use Airbnb. Duh. I mean, just think about it. Most of us that use Airbnb are only using it for 50% of its power. We're spending the money, but we're not making the money. What if we could do both? Whoa! Mind-blowing. And your home really might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. 
But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. All right. I'm going to tread on very careful ground with this last question. Okay. Because this is sort of a comeback for you. And yes, not to mention, I guess the motif of your life is kind of series of second chances or another chance or another, you know, like you escaping situations. Um, Because we live in a time right now with what's going on in the world today and you know, we live in the era of a, of cancel culture. Yes. And it's almost, it's almost like what it seems as though, like, I guess the idea of cancel culture is like, well, you can never come back or you can never redeem yourself or you can never return to your, your prominence or what it what once was. How are you able to navigate the last 10 years of your life just in terms of, because usually when, when a person has to go through that process and it's a nightmare. Like even no. now I wake up every morning at 5 a.m. just to look at trending topics to make sure I'm not on that list. Like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, cause I'm thinking like, is there an interview I did or something that, you know, and I, I know, you know, but yeah, no, sure. that's literally how, how, you know, I, I'm not exaggerating when I'll say at least five times, a day, I gotta check just to make sure. Okay. No, I got I'm, you. I got you. I'm good. I got you. So, and it and it's and it's stressful and it's stressful, but it's it's very real. How are you? How are you able to navigate your life in the last ten years with your loved ones, with your family, um, with yourself to get to this place? Like, what have you learned in the last ten years? I've learned the circumstance of celebrity and fame and fortune. All of these things are very fragile and precious. You know, it must be handled with care mm-hmm. and consideration mm-hmm. and, and cognizance. You know what I mean? And so uh, it is an intoxicating experience all throughout, especially to succeed in, in that space. And, mm-hmm. um, it's a surreal, it's a surreal experience and, you know, it can be dizzying um, and you can oversight things that are, you know, or things that could very well possibly put you in compromising positions, you know, because, you know, f- fame or celebrity is a compromising position. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's what, it, that's what it qualifies as, you know, what, what, what I've learned, you know, over the last, several to 10 years um, is to be still. You know what I mean? Like, you know, um, I reconnected, you know, with community. I reconnected with um, the the social conscious themes 
and um, and aspects of myself that were purifying and refining, you know, um, and, and I realized that success had taken me so far away from those things. Um, I, I, you know, I spend an awful lot of time with my son, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm, I'm really making up for a lot of lost time with him. Um, mm-hmm. because you know, How old the spoils, is he now? he's 19. He's 19. Oh, wow. Damn. Our son's the same age. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> the spoil, the spoils of success, you can share in the wealth, you know what I mean? Like monetarily, materially, you know, but it does not, um, equate to tangible time. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. I just got close to family. I got close to cause, uh, philanthropists, you know, uh, philanthropy, um, and charity and associated myself with different causes that I was passionate about and started to, uh, lose sight of myself, uh, or the, or shed the celebrity skin, you know what I'm saying? And give myself away to those things that I deem to be greater than what I had even accomplished because, you know, it's not, um, it's not an end all be all to be alone, you know what I'm saying? Like to be, you know, accomplished, but alone and alienated. You know what I mean? Like I did not, I did not start out on this journey to look back and no one be there and no one to share it with. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. If anything, if anything, I had experienced, you know, far too much alienation as an adolescent and the music was a way to express and, and make and make myself relative to connect to people to be to finally be counted as a part of a collective you know what i mean like or community and belong you, you know you know what i'm saying yeah. um because i wasn't really made to feel like that as a kid yeah you, you, mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so i just i just reconnected with those things and um was really and 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 if you know like even with, we, we mentioned beautiful skin earlier, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. in, in the way that that was effective in Philly. It's like, I was really expecting people to know me and know my history and where I'm coming from and know that like, I don't got nothing but love in my heart and decency, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. humanity and humility. I'm one of the most well-rounded and grounded people you'll ever meet. You know what I'm saying? Like loving and generous and selfless, you know what I mean? And, I could only hope that it translates in song. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and then I'll go in the extra mile. You know what I mean? Like, you know, for good measure to make sure, you know, that I'm under the skin. I mean, like, you know, of those that, you know, to whom it may concern. I mean, like all of my music has just been a love letter to to those to, to, to whom it may concern. You know what I mean? So I'm glad for, and I'm very fortunate for it to start off as a, you know, pretty much a black nationalist, you know what I mean? Like, damn, they're borderline racist. You know what I'm saying? Like, with Goody Mob. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't be um, racist, but yes. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, um, but to ultimately uh, evolve into a, you know, that universal appeal. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, and I'm telling you, it's not, it's it's almost impossible you know, to, to fake it, <laughs> like to, you know, to fake that. You know what I'm saying? Like with these mm-hmm. audiences that I've encountered and that I've acquired, you know what I mean? Like 
Uh, your goodie, yes. you feel like so, your goodie mob audience holds you accountable for things in a way because probably the Nas Barkley audience is a little you got different audiences. And and like, yeah. Well, the thing the thing of it was, I just should have just dealt with. I should have just worked in double shifts. Like that's that's kind of that's kind of what I was meaning early when I said I had to go out into the world and supply that large demand. You're talking about I could have moved to London. If you go to London, you know all they're going all you're going to hear is. You know, from everything from Amy Winehouse to Etta James on just regular mm-hmm. radio and not even categorized, like all in one mix. It's just like open format radio. Yeah. Quest knows I'm right. He knows I'm telling the truth. So I live there. I, yeah. I, but y'all know, don't live I, there. So I love it. I know I that. loved it know. in London. And when I got there and I got a chance to, to spend a considerable amount of time there, I understood why they loved me. And I said, God damn it. Like, this is where I belong. And I heard Lenny Kravitz say years ago in an interview, he said, man, like, I know that I've, I've accomplished a great deal. He said, but if there's any one thing that I can say that I truly wanted that would make me happy is to make music that my own people, you know what I'm saying, I like, can appreciate. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I felt like. I mean, like, because when it was time to be black, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I felt like I, with that, uh, me, Goody Mob, you know. Beautiful skin. I feel like we was making the black the blackest music you can make. I was about to say, but don't you feel like you had that privilege over Lenny in a way? Because you ushered in your goodie mob audience to everything that you did. Everybody didn't come, but a lot of people did, which is the difference yeah. between you and Lenny in that way, right? Because they had no, your audience evolved with you. It's true. It, it wasn't it wasn't a definitive separation of church and state. It was a bridge between church and state. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm fortunate for that. I'm very fortunate for that. So it's no different than Fuck You is the lead-off single, but mm-hmm. I got two Grammys for Fool for You with Melanie from you. Fiona. You know Bodies what I'm saying? was my record off that album. That was my and favorite Bodies, that, Bodies. That's, the, yeah. that's the big homie, Salam Remy. Salam you know Remy, what I'm saying? Yeah. So the way that album started, it was, it was it's supposed to be my big black R&B record. Fuck You, Bodies, uh, you know, Fool for You. And, I, and some of the stuff that you heard on... Uh, <laughs> straight straight bullets. Bullets. yeah. <laughs> you know, that's that's what it would have been like. You know what I mean? But again, I don't have any regrets in retrospect because like it all worked out so well. You know what I mean? And I and, and even question just to, to, to cap off the question, you know, like I even with everything that I've endured through, you know what I mean? Like, you know, um good, bad, and indifferent, I have very few complaints. I'm saying like because there is truly no testimony without the test. Not even yeah. marriage boot camp. <laughs> what about? <that? laughs> I, mean, I forgot about you that. You said no regrets. Well, you know what? Guess what? Though marriage boot camp was almost kind of like a re-entry point for me. Yeah, it and was. People got a, and people got a chance to see me, you know, in a light that they had not. I'm saying, like, you know, like, you know, me domestically and with my woman. Like, you know, I'm gonna say this straight up to y'all, like. You know, there was a period of time when people thought maybe I was gay or something. You know what I'm saying? You know, like mm-hmm. because of the outfits and the wigs and, you know, stuff like That's that. That's the over masculinity of hip hop. But yeah, mm-hmm. That's the over masculinization of hip hop. But yes. Mm-hmm. Nah, it ain't that. But, I, but I, I'm right with you. You think we'll, a little bit? Going. A little bit? A little bit? No, nah, I mean, because it well, I mean, for, for starters, I never thought that CeeLo was gay. You know what I mean? <laughs> but to me, when I saw the big outfits, it was just like, you know, it was like, you know, Earth, Wind, and Fire. And yeah, like I thought, artists. I thought it was yeah. costumes. We're different people. It was costume, right. yeah. It was but, different. But, but, but the hardest-hearted nigga, he might have had a moment. Like, what the fuck? That ain't, you know what I'm saying? But, but see, the thing of it was, it was just like, 
people, and that's the love and affinity people have for Goody Mob in that era of my career. It's like, you know, they ain't letting that shit go easily. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, because we were affected. We touched people. And that's why, you know, that's why I always return to it. You, you know what I mean? Like, I could never, I could never sleep easy or rest well and letting any, any, any of my extended family down. I got to just do it all. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that goes back to what I was saying, basically. Like, I just, did, the only thing I didn't do right is just work double shifts. Make sure that both sides of the brain were attended to and, and both sides of the spectrum were satisfied. You know what I'm saying? You know, because yeah. I got so overwhelmed and preoccupied with such a big deal on one side of it that it just tipped the scale one way. And that's what happened with me. Well, from a fan was perspective, a, I'm going to tell you, we just happy to hear that you admit to that. Like, that's dope. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I was just asking, was that an a alienating time for you? Like how, like when you have an incident and then, you know, everyone is just, you know, you kind of go through the cancel culture thing when you're by yourself, you know, what what's going through your mind like during all of that? To, to be totally honest, I mean, you know, I didn't really, it was embarrassing. You know what I'm saying like, you know what I mean? Like I wasn't completely overwhelmed because I was innocent for one. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was um, always, you know, I was humbled and appreciative for such a grounding um, experience. You know, you know what I mean? Like, gotcha. and mm-hmm. I just felt, I just felt renewed in my faith and, and, and feeling like, okay, I have deliberately and intentionally done the good I have done, you know what I mean? To, uh, to guarantee in some regard, you know what I mean? a victory, a greater victory in my personal life and professional life and be a, a, a means of, of motivation and inspiration in other people of whom are my passion and whom I care about. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? More that's so good. than myself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, you know, which, that's why I said I, I, I was all willing to die a revolutionary because I would have given my life. I did not, I didn't value my own life in that way. I value you know, saying the, the legacy of a people, you know what I mean? Like, you feel me? Disenfranchised. I mean, like, you know, and I just felt like those things that were put on my heart and on my spirit to speak on, you know, and, and the fact, just the mere fact that I was being affected and people were listening and people were being changed because of it. You know, I felt like, you know, when my, when my, my mother and father's, the associate pastors would say to me as a child, you're going to be a minister. You know, I felt <laughs> like prophecy was coming to pass because of music. You know what I'm saying? Um, So I felt like I was doing, yeah, I felt like I was doing uh, what I was always meant to do. You know what I mean? Like, you know, um, I just wanted, you know, I I wish it was just some kind of way that I could remind people to refer them back to what I had done. I'm like, man, please don't, please y'all don't forget about what I did. I did this, you know, like for no money. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? Mm -hmm. No money and what we was doing is good in mind. We were writing songs about Martial law in 1995. What are they doing? I want to talk to you about Atlanta. Oh shit, you are in Atlanta. Yes, I wasn't trying to say nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like we weren't doing nothing but trying to share. You know what I'm saying? Like and be our and be our highest selves. You know what I mean? Um, with that opportunity because we all had a deep sense of appreciation. Um, and you know, hey man, I was married to a black woman, got a black son. You know what I'm saying? Like. You know, my mother was one of the first several black firefighting fire women in Atlanta, Georgia. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? Like, 
I got some wonderful, some gigantic women around me who I come from. You know what I mean? Like, and I would never do such a thing. You know what I'm saying? You feel how me? did so, you how did you approach you. that conversation with your son? Because I get well, he's 19 now, but I mean he was you know a little younger at the time. How how do y'all have that conversation in terms of what it was, you know? Just it, you know, it was hard, man. It was it was hard then when they were younger, man, because they become victimized. You know what I'm like you know, um, mm-hmm. and and the guilt by association, just the embarrassment, man. Like you know, you can yeah. you can't even I can't even really put that into words. It just took time. You know what I'm saying? Like you know what I mean? Like time and, and tangibility of just me being there, me being being able to touch and feel. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, yeah. um, and you know, a lot of people would say that, you know, hey man, my kids know me, but you gotta you gotta you gotta nah, be transparent with your Not kids. until you they talk don't, to them. You know what I'm they really don't. don't. And yeah, they've been sure. watching you the thing I've learned just in fatherhood, like they've been watching the things, the things that you don't think they see, or mm-hmm. like like you've been telling them one thing or whatever, but They've been watching they've been. everything else and they've been picking up on stuff that you might not even think that they was looking at. And it's like, damn, you absolutely repeat that. And, you know what I'm saying? No, no, man. But but my son, y'all, y'all watch for him too, man. Like, um, he's been producing me, you know what I'm saying, like as of late. And he is a he is uh right. you know, we, we we did we did um on my IG, you can check it out. We did like some <laughs> um Callaway family band post, you know, <laughs> like he he taught my fiance Shani how to uh, play bass and guitar. Wow, and, you wow. Know, we we were do- we were doing that a lot throughout the uh, the quarantine. So no, he's accomplished and he's dope. You know what I mean, like so, like he's like me when I was a kid. Like I liked Judas Priest and Motley Crue and Black Sabbath when I was a kid. Um, so he's he like he likes System of a Down and Slipknot oh, and stuff wow. like that. So, What's his producer yeah, name, Sila? His his producer name is Poinsetta. What? Mm. <laughs> what? Uh, Okay. His IG is is Poinsettia Garden. He he doesn't he doesn't really post a lot, but you know, like he's a quiet kid and he's reserved. But like he's a uh, he's 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 really talented. So is he with you uh, like full time? Is he with his mom? Like how do y'all work that out? You know, any place I got, he got. You, you know what I'm saying? So like 100%. you know, any you know, I would never get a one bedroom somewhere. Like it's like I make sure I got two, so he got somewhere. <laughs> Imagine to <be>. that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know how that goes. Hey, so. Well, anything can happen in in hours. That's that's yeah. the times that we live in right now. Anything could happen. Um, how what 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 do you feel like right now? Seeing what's happening in Atlanta, Georgia. Man, it's kind of like what we was talking about, you know, earlier. Man, just like with the music and and the way that you know activism had always been, you know, our unified front. You know what I mean? I I feel saddened and I feel disappointed and I feel angered and I feel imp- but I feel impassioned and I do feel like, you know, you know, you know, we we're we're worked against, you know what I mean? Like when I say when I say we I mean in terms of like conscious music, you know what I mean? Like there's really no outlet, there's no platform. You know what I mean? Like um, you know, for it, it it's it's like but but that's where we're supposed to be thriving. You know what I mean? Like there hasn't there hasn't been a movement, you know, of an era of a generation where the music didn't reflect the sign of the times. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I and I believe that there's just a large disconnect. You know what I mean? It's like, but how can we make not only those protest songs, but like those those historical timeless songs? You know what I mean? Like that that last, you know. Um, um, uh, that last, you know, and, and going forward. I mean, like, because I do see that people addressing the issues with sound bites and uh, montages of the current events and things of that nature. You, you know what I mean? But like, 
sometimes it's a little disheartening to me because like, you know, I hate for any of us as, as, as artists to have to be, you know, conveniently black or, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know in any kind of way, man, like I really would like for that to be, you know, our disposition, you know what I mean? Like in our narrative, you know, going forward, you know what I mean? Like, you know, we've got to, we've got to create counterbalances, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like for our culture or else we will be defined, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like, you know, as it stands, you know what I mean? And so I, I have my opinions, but, you know, like it, it's, it's, it's sometimes it's, you know, I, I hate to, to cop out by saying like, it's ultimately what the people want. You know what I mean? Like, you know, give people what they want. You know what I mean? It's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, cause, I, just, cause like, I think people you know. looking here, since you talk about, you know, you have a 19 year old son and you a black man and you in Atlanta and we just saw what happened with Raynard. And that's, you thought that George right. Floyd was going to be the, you know, Right. Do y'all yeah. know that I was coming home from a meeting and, you know, I just saw that the traffic was gridlocked and I knew, I mean, like I know it now in the traffic. I'm like, this, I said, this ain't moving. But I didn't realize what had happened until I got home because I was coming through the city and I still had like another 45 minutes to travel to get home. And then I realized the incident, you know, and the tragedy that that had just taken place, and they were rioting right there. So, like, you know, what I mean, like, down seventy five. Yeah, you know, what I mean, like University Ave, man. Like, you know, that's you know, that's that's damn good. You know, that's home for me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm from here. You know what I mean? So, like, you're seeing it firsthand. You know, we've had, you know, even going back, you know, a few weeks to COVID in March. You know, since Shani, my fiance's. You know, her her father and her uncle passed within days apart, you know what I mean, um, due to unrelated health issues. But we took, I mean, like, we've taken real losses. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We continue to take losses. In a and small just, amount of time right now. Yeah, I'm just like, damn. You know what I mean? So, like, we can't go back to perpetuating and celebrating our stereotypes and our and reveling in our ignorance and our, you know, inaccountability. You know what I mean? You feel me? Like, we've got to be responsible. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, about the things we say and the images we portray and going forward. I mean, like, and, you know, I don't know. We need to, but like, you know, that kind of music, that kind of content, you know what I mean? Like, that's that's independent action. I mean, like, it's most certainly not affirmative action. So we have to, we have to support, you know, that balance, you know what I mean, like, you know, um, and sustain that balance for ourselves because, I mean, literally our lives are depending on it, you know what I mean, because music is, you know, it is, I, in my opinion, me being an artist, I consider it to be a central work, you know what I mean, like, we, I believe mm-hmm. that we Absolutely. should be considered as essential workers. DJs you know have been getting mean? people through this shit, yes. like, yeah. all that, like, for, for real, for real, for real. Thank you, Twitch. You know? Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, Brother, brother Celo, thank you very much for your time. This is no, an epic interview. All of your three, time, the years. Three hours. We appreciate this. <laughs> nah, this <laughs> is amazing, man. And just as and as a, just from MC to MC, and just you know, you were just a huge inspiration, and still are, you know, huge inspiration for me. Just the transition to using your singing voice, and just hearing you talk about it, like it's it's so many parallels to my career. And um, I just thank you just for the inspiration and for the work, brother, for real. Uh, you've quoted me so many times in this interview, man. I, I really can't believe it, man. I had no idea that you, you know, you you you, you cut that. How as we say, you cut that hard for me, man. I really appreciate the love, <laughs> Miss Lay. It was a pleasure to meet you. You look just like a good friend of mine, and Kim, uh, Sugar oh, Steve. You. you know, and and of course the the Almighty Quest Love. You know what I mean? 
Thank, thank you, y'all for having me. You know, um, thank and, you, um, Sheila. I got no but love for y'all. So I, I, I hope you know that the content that we got here is of some use. It's not just a bunch nah, of this is fucking what? amazing. Nah, man. dog, this yeah, is a this typical is... episode. We thank you, <laughs> but not so much because it's you. And I hope that you enjoyed your experience too. I hope you. Were. I did. I did. Okay. I thank y'all for having me, man. I, I didn't. I didn't have no idea. I just knew I was talking to Quest today. <laughs> they don't be telling nobody nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So I will say, CeeLo, thank you very much uh, for doing our show. This has been long overdue. That is amazing. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this. Yes. So on behalf of Laia, Sugar Steve, you, you call Sugar Steve? Yes. Yes, I am. Thank you. Exactly. Bill, Bill's over there. Just, uh, yeah, I'm doing better Pretty Ken. Pretty Ken over there. Pretty good. Fat, fat Keith. Fat, fat Keith. Right? <laughs> Yo, y'all, we will see you on the next go round of Quest Love Supreme. Uh, we appreciate you. Stay safe. All right. See y'all later. Quest Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Hi, it's Sugar Steve from Questlove Supreme. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So, check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right, cash back isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC.